Welcome to Cast Iron, a brand new podcast all about metal. My name is Alan Williamson, um, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lewis Clark. Uh, tell us about yourself. Um, yeah, so uh, hello everybody, um, I'm Lewis, and uh, I am the lead uh, writer and webmaster of a website called UK Scum Scene. Uh, big fan of just heavy music in general, probably introduced around about 1999-2000, uh, because... I am unfortunately a child of the 90s. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's mainly my sort of thing. I do do some other bits and bits on the side, but they're video game related, and you don't need to hear about that. We're not, we're not allowed to talk about video games in this one. Uh, no, no. Uh, that's apps completely banned. I'm sure it will happen at some point, but um, for the time yeah, being... Yeah, for anybody expecting the Sonic the Hedgehog fan cast, we're very, very <laughs> sorry to disappoint you. Um, so I am Alan. Um, I don't really do much related to music, so unfortunately you'll have to hear about my other endeavours. Um, I am a freelance journalist. I am most famous as being the editor-in-chief of the video game culture magazine 5 out of 10. But I do do a bit of music blogging at uh, Split Screen, which I've been doing for about nearly five years. It's quite scary when you think about it. <clears throat> so, many months ago, uh, Lewis approached me. Too many months ago, and I'm sorry about that. It took a while to get going. Um, and he, <laughs> it's all right. Uh, We're busy, man. And he said, do you want to do a podcast about metal? And I said, yes. And that was it. Um, and then we kind of let it gestate in our minds for a few months and how to think about what we wanted to do in the format of the show. So the format is, every episode we pick a metal album to discuss. Um, sometimes it'll be a classic, sometimes it might be something a bit more new, um, and one of us will pick an album for the other to listen to, hopefully something they haven't heard before, but not necessarily. Um, and then we will talk about it, and we will probably disagree. Um, and the first source of disagreement, and perhaps the last, if we have a really big argument, is Iron Maiden's Power Slave. Uh, so, Lewis, you're not an Iron Maiden fan, is that correct? That is that is correct. Um, so, I, I mean, it's not that I'm not a fan, it's just I have an appreciation for the band, I appreciate what they, uh, their, you know, their, their influence on heavy metal in general, and, um, you know, their importance, because they are... Quite an influential band, but for whatever reason, um, whenever I've listened to them, I just it just feels like something's missing. It feels like it hasn't dated particularly well. It feels underproduced. It feels flat. Wow. And growing up in you know the loudness wars, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you kind of yeah, you kind of get used to things having a pop and, uh, and that extra dimension that just sort of um, you know hits you in the gut and. I like a, I do like a nice bit of bass and um, yeah, Maiden have a bassist. <laughs> <laughs> he writes all, um, pretty much all of the songs. Yeah. He's quite he's um, quite integral to the band. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's he's he, he plays very high up the neck. So um, that's uh, one of the things that I'm not particularly fond of with Maiden is, uh, despite there being a bassist uh, quite prevalent in the band. There isn't a lot of actual bass. <laughs> okay, um, so um, so to give you a bit of, yeah. a bit of, a quick bit of background to the band, um, and I guess a bit of background to our musical histories. Uh, Lewis and I both got into heavy music around the time of kind of ninety nine two thousand, um, and that was the kind of emergence of uh, new metal, uh, yes. which was I guess a kind of fusion of rap music and rock with. Uh, instruments that aren't traditionally associated with rock music, like you know decks and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. So it was kind of the new metal bands of the time were things like you know, Linkin Park and Papa Roach and Limp Bizkit and those kind of things. Now I'm not going to get into those today <laughs> because uh, <Yep. laughs> for the sake of getting very annoyed. Um, but uh, oh no, there's, yeah, there's, there's a couple of ones I like. But um, so Iron Maiden um, kind of came around in the very late seventies and rose to popularity in the early eighties. Um, and they were one of the bands of what you would call the new wave of British heavy metal. Like kind of the, I guess the original wave is probably like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep, yep. So the new wave is basically Maiden and uh, Judas Priest would be only one of the other big bands. Um, and uh, I mean, there's obviously other ones in America as well. But so um, Maiden, um, their first really popular album was The Number of the Beast, which is the first one with the vocalist Bruce Dickinson, who then went on to do most of the vocals since then. Um, and it was followed up by uh, Peace of Mind and then Power Slave, uh, which came out in 1984, I believe. Yes, um, yes. 3rd of September, yep, 1984. I'm glad someone made a yeah. note. <laughs> so this album is two years older than I am. 
<laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a thirty year old album. Um, but the so those three albums, your um, number of the beast, peace of mind, and power slaver, if you like, the kind of holy trinity of classic maiden albums. And then after that, they got a bit synthy, um, and then they really went down the pan in the mid nineties. Um, and then they had this kind of resurgence in the new millennium with uh, Brave New World, which I might talk about briefly if we've got time. It's a good sort of comeback album yeah, yeah, after definitely. Bruce Dickinson came back. So um, because they are such an influential band, and such a famous band, or perhaps notorious, uh, depending on, you know, what your kind of musical background is, um, mm-hmm. it's a really good band to get into because Maiden formed the influences of a lot of these genres. So I'm a big fan of like kind of scandinavian melodic death metal um and it was yep. basically an attempt to merge the music of iron maiden to swedish folk music um and there's mm. if you look in the liner notes and inspirations of most major you know popular metal bands like your kind of triviums and you know, kill switch engage those kind of bands they're all yep. big iron maiden fans all of them and that's either because they're really good or terribly overrated, which we're going to get to the bottom of here. Um, but um, <laughs> so Power Slave is the third one of that. And you know, it's really hard to pick one of those classic albums because there's always people who'll go, oh, yeah, Number of the Beast, Number of the Beast, which is kind of like if you're yeah, a Metallica yeah. fan, go, oh, yeah, oh, Black Album, made the Black Album. It's like, no, pick an album. Pick one that you actually like. Don't yeah, just pick yeah. the popular no, one. If, if we're, if we're going to talk Metallica, then I'm, I'm, I'm heavily on the side of the first four albums because there are, those are metal albums and the, the Black Album is a rock album. I really like it, actually. <laughs> but um, again, that's a conversation yeah. for another. I have, time. A fe- I have a feeling we're going to have several episodes to get out of this. <laughs> so, um, Iron Maiden were kind of at the height of their powers in the mid 1980s. Um, they were very famous for kind of doing really big arena tours. Um, and this album, uh, I think it was called the the World Slavery Tour, and this is a big like one two hour tour that was so popular um, among their fans and so famous that they actually did it again a few years ago so they kind of brought back the World Slavery Tour uh, for their, their new audience of people like you and I who weren't around in the 80s who were still sperms and eggs back then Yep. Um, so yeah with all these kind of classic Maiden albums you know there's the songs you really like so the really famous ones like everybody's heard kind of you know, I don't know Run to the Hills Two Minutes to Midnight Halloween Be Now the Name and those kind of stuff and then there's all the the cruft in the middle that you forget about when you come back to these classic albums and I'm so delighted to find out that I didn't really think there was much cruft in this one um, so I guess without any further ado we should get into the first track which is Ace is High <laughs> Um, so the, you've already heard the kind of opening bars of this, um, and oh, what a perfect opener! Like if you, this this was actually it was actually the, I was kind of trying to cast my mind back to the nineties whenever I was on Kazaa downloading individual God. rock songs. Ah, yeah, you remember yeah. Kazaa, Morpheus, and uh, Napster, LimeWire, um, things like that. Yep. Yeah, but Aces High was probably the first Iron Maiden track I really liked because I did the whole downloaded Run to the Hills, and I really don't like Run to the Hills. I still don't like it as a song. And I think, you know, I don't think those songs are as easy to get into as this one, which is your kind of classic Maiden tracks in a lot of ways. Uh, first of all, it's got the usual kind of dual guitar riff where um, Adrian Smith and Dave Murray are kind of fighting each other with their guitars constantly. Yep, yep. And it's got that kind of kind of classic Maiden yeah, so gallop that sounds that, a bit like Machine Gun Fire. Yeah, that is something that I continue to like throughout this album, actually, the galloping riffs are um something i'm really really into it's 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 reminiscent of thrash so um yeah i mean to me, what's in, for me. what interests me about iron maiden is i always thought they had a kind of a punky influence to them right and <clears throat> you notice it much more in their less good 90 albums especially like um so if you listen to something like um be quicker be dead or fear of the dark uh bruce dickinson's voice goes from more from the operatic singing that characterizes this yeah, album yeah. into a more kind of raspy you know, kind of more uh, Johnny Rotten style of delivery. Yeah, yeah. But they've always had that kind of slight punkishness to them. But Ace is High is... Just a, it, it's a very you know, stereotypical Maiden track. They're very famous for doing a lot of songs about war um, and about the Second World War. And I think... I mean, they, they've got a lot of influences from kind of classic British literature as well. And obviously because they're, a, they're, they're very much a British band that sing a lot about British issues, um, they do get involved with stuff like It's as high as a song about the Battle of Britain. Yep, yep. Um, and they do other songs like they get Tail Gunner. Um, pretty much every Maiden album has a song about some kind of war on it, whether that's the the Trooper off Peace of, Peace of Mind uh, or off their later albums, you get things like Passion Dale or even the, the album A Matter of Life and Death. Mm. It's pretty much a whole collection of war songs. 
Right, yeah. So, um, so this is like, yeah, the most stereotypical Iron Maiden song ever, and that's really quite, we quite like it, and I like it because it's got the galloping riffs and it's got the kind of soaring souls, but also because it's got that slight tinge of cheese to it. And I wondered if this is what you didn't like about Iron Maiden is that they're really quite cheesy, but I really, I really love it. I love that it. it's just so like. <laughs> The, the vocals are so kind of highly, and, and Bruce Dickinson's nickname, of course, is the, the Air Raid Siren. Oh, right. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that's his kind of nickname. So, um, and you can, it probably is the perfect fit for Aces High. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, I've got to say, um, I really do like Aces High as a song. Composition-wise, I think it's incredible. Um, it's some amazing riffs. Um, the chorus is absolutely fantastic. And uh, to the point where... Um, I, dis- I, I, I did some further sort of uh, background listening and I went and watched some of uh, the most recent uh, DVD. Um, Is that, and what's the latest one? On Vivo? Is uh, it the latest it one? It might or? be. It, I, okay. it's, it's definitely somewhere. I think it's like a Brazilian show or something like that. Um, yeah. And they, they come out to Aces High and the, the pop in the <laughs> chorus is just phenomenal. I like it. Um, when... That's one of a guilty, that's one of my guilty pleasures actually is listening to a crowd, the entire crowd sing back a chorus. It gives me shivers. It's absolutely fantastic to hear, um, and yeah, there, there was just I was getting a real buzz off that. It's um, Live Maiden kind of helped me understand what people like about this band. It's got to be said. I, yeah, um, no, um, I I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say at some point that um, like I've I've seen Maiden live twice. They right. were one of the first bands I went to see live along with like Metallica and him. Yeah, yeah. I mean I saw them in Dublin in 2003, and actually uh, it was the Dance of Death tour, and I still wear the T-shirt I bought as a pajama top. That's <laughs> <laughs> lasted. It's lasted over a decade. <laughs> um, uh, and then I saw them at Belfast later, and I venue with terrible acoustics but they um even uh, do you ever get like one of these acts that is like so good that if you see them live um i don't see how anybody couldn't have a good time one of them yeah. is beyonce who an ex-girlfriend okay, asked okay, if i wanted okay. to go see live and you know what not a big beyonce fan yep, she put yep. on a really good show it was really enjoyable okay um and another and the other one is obviously yeah yeah well yeah. you know need to, need to diversify things a bit um <laughs> And the other one's Iron Maiden. Yeah. So I think if you had a Beyonce and Iron Maiden doubleheader, that would pretty much be <laughs> a live, a live gig anybody could enjoy. But, but yeah. they are—they're phenomenal live. They're very, they're very good stage presence, and they use quite a lot of like they're theatric songs. Yeah, yeah. They're and they and they they have you know various kind of movements and moods, and there's a lot of passion that goes into them, and there's almost a kind of like a almost ethereal mysticism. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of these tracks later, especially later on in the album, it gets a bit kind of more mystical. And obviously there's the Egyptian themes that are in Parsley yep, yep. that are hinted at in the title of the album. But yeah, um, no, definitely. Yeah. A, a lot of, a lot of energy in this. So um, I was, yeah, I was, uh, it's, it's an amazing open to, to the album, it's got to be said. And uh, again, watching it live was something else because I'm, I, I didn't realize that, you know, they, yeah. They're not in their prime anymore. Let's put it that way. And no, no, like Bruce Dickinson can't hit the same registers now. No, and no. you'll you'll definitely notice going from the yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's gone down but a few. Yeah, complete, like, you know, fair play to the band. That 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 performance was absolutely electric. Like there there there's so much energy behind their performance that everybody's running around the stage. Um, I just I'm I'm amazed that a band, uh, you know, collectively their age, it's just like. How can you keep up this level of energy at such, you know, at, at this point in your career? It's just, I, I was absolutely blown away by it. But I have to say, the moment it started, it confirmed what I don't like about Iron Maiden. And that okay. is, it's very tinny. There's a lack of bass. Um, it's, uh, Steve Harris definitely plays, plays up the neck so high that it's to the point... It, the bass lines remind me of Beatles songs. That's the thing. Like, um, so what kind of what kind of you now have to sing what you think a good bass line is like? You know, do, 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 what you think a good bass should be, and then you have to compare that to an Iron Maiden bass line for the benefit of the listeners. Oh God, a good bass line. That's um, uh, I, I just sing the Soul on Fire bass line. <laughs> oh, not, yeah, yeah, not that's that's uh, that's, that's a pick. nice chunky or, um, fat like just a weighty baseline. And I, I what about uh, what about Machine Heads kind of baselines? They've got some absolutely killer um, bass licks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, 
I actually don't own too much Machine Head, it's got to be said, but I do have a, a huge soft spot for Imperium and uh, the, the the album that uh, the, that comes off uh, Through the Ashes of the Empires. And well, guess what Guess what you're going to be listening to at a later date? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got, it's got to be some Machine Head. head in um, I've, been, um, I've been ironing up the blackening for quite quite a few years now but um, um, I haven't got well, there's a song yet. there's a song on that um, called Halo which has a absolute stonker of a bass line yeah, but yeah. anyway um, so you don't like Steve Harris's bass playing yeah so yeah it's just uh, no, no offence to the man he's clearly a very very talented bass player um, but I feel like he should be supporting the guitar more than actually um, almost trouncing it in a weird way uh, he's, he's yeah, very no, high in the mix as well absolutely. so um, um, but um that's unfortunate because do you know who does like the bass playing of Steve Harris? <laughs> I wonder. Steve who. Harris, who is the main songwriter in uh, Iron Maiden, and uh, so you'll be hearing a lot more of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's his side, and that gets that gets two thumbs up. But um, I mean, I like I say, it's not that I don't like his bass playing. I think he's an incredibly talented um, bass player, and th- there are some amazing licks here. But it's just, um, I just, I just feel like he doesn't. Um, he's too, he's too loud. He's too high in the mix, and. There, there isn't enough treble in his in his playing, and um, you know he's, he's it's it's too it's too tinny for a bass line no, for me. So, no, yeah. I do I do I do agree with like your kind of comments about the mix and stuff because it is apparently listening to these classic rock albums, and I think it is it's it's hard for people like the thing about this album is you can turn it up loud and there'll be a lot of dynamic range to it, yeah. and that's actually what I really really hate about pretty much all modern metal in particular. Yeah, yeah, it's just no dynamism to it, and it. It just it, like it's 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 mush. It's like the worst being um, like there's a couple of really big offenders like uh, Metallica's Death Magnetic was pretty infamous. That yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The tracks you could download in Guitar Hero were better than the the ones they had crushed. For yeah, the yeah. That's CD actually the way I've gone um, about listening it to it. So yeah. Um, so um, but but this is very much a different product of a different time. Like if you listen to any kind of classic Black Sabbath and stuff like that, it sounds really tinny as well. Yeah, well, like I mean... Uh, well, I'm, I mean, okay, like, there's still, like, stuff like Iron Man and, and War Pig, still those big fat riffs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, so, um, I mean, that's good. That, 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 for me, is what I prefer. So, um, I'm, I'm always going to fall on the side of uh, Sabbath there because there's a lot, awful lot of down-tuning, obviously, because Iommi can't play um, standard tuning because of uh, lacking half of his finger, I think, if I remember correctly, is the, yeah, is no, the, uh, I think is the, real, is the reason for that. Well, um, that sounds true, and if you made it up, it, it's a, it, was a, it was a well-improvised joke. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, so that, that sort of um, the groovy sort of riff um, type music is very much up my street. So um, regardless of the flat production on, on you know any of these old sort of records, um, that, that weight is a, a big pull, and unfortunately this album doesn't have that. So I've had to uh, take a step back and basically just appreciate composition on this record because the mix and the production is, jef- is definitely a thumbs down for this entire record from me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's much, very much a product of the time. Yeah, no. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. Um, but it's very hard to clean up. Like, um, oh, I God, I wouldn't know, even I think... want to have to try and remaster this. That would just be a nightmare. Um... I'm trying to think, Megadeth have some really good remasters. Their their remastered early catalogs very very good. The remastered Rust in Peace is a oh, okay. massive improvement over the original. Uh, if you've anyway. ever listened to the ACDC <laughs> remasters as well, those are absolutely fantastic. Those really have some pop. So on to the next track, which is Two Minutes to Midnight. Now um, this will mean nothing to you, dear listener, because uh, you didn't live under the threat of nuclear annihilation at any point in time. Um, but this song is about the Doomsday Clock. Um, and uh, I'm not even going to Wikipedia this. I'm going to try and figure it out in my head. So there was some kind of international nuclear organization, and they had this doomsday clock. And the closer the minutes were to midnight, um, it was kind of like those American terror alerts. Right. So if it was one minute to midnight, they were like, there's going to be a nuclear war between the United States and the Soviet Union immediately. And midnight would essentially be, I don't know, the, the last the last hour <laughs> um, so two minutes to midnight is basically a song about the futility of nuclear war and, and the cold war and all that kind of stuff Okay, which is interesting because Iron Maiden are kind of a bunch of Tories so you'd think they'd be like kind of <laughs> pro, pro, pro-military but that's where it comes across in the, uh, the military songs um, now I think that this might have been your favourite track um, you're wrong oh well that's zero for one who's keeping score who's keeping score um, um but okay, so the reason I thought you would really like it is because I thought you would particularly like the big chunky riff that yeah, goes the whole I way did. through the song. Yeah, 
I do, I do love uh, that thrash riff at the start. Um, is yeah, well, yeah, like I say, it's very, very reminiscent of the thrash metal scene that, that follows this, and um, uh, yeah, I, I really, really do like that opening. And again, another fantastic chorus. Um, uh, yeah, but the only thing with this song in particular is fatigue sets in. Oh, it's and too I, long. Yeah, it's too long. That's the thing. It feels like it doesn't have enough ideas for its length. And yeah, um, no, I agree. It's a good, it's a good two minutes too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two minutes <laughs> too long. Well, there, there you we go. go. That's you know, correct the song title, Bruce. That's what needs to happen there. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, so I, um, I've listened to this album about you know 20 30 times but i went out for a, a run just before we did this podcast mm. and i got to two minutes to midnight and i was like oh my god <laughs> like i can't i can't get to my phone to change the track <laughs> and it like it um yeah it, it, it's way too long yeah yep um, um it's a good like it's a good it's a good song it's kind of a it's a maiden classic it's the kind of thing that they play live all the time yeah, yeah, yeah. but for probably just because of my foibles um I don't always find was that interesting. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of Run to the Hills. I'm yeah. not a big fan of the song Number of the Beast. Um, so there's quite a few that I find quite, you know, te- tedious. Like, or, or Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter is yeah, kind of the yeah, ultimate yeah. maiden plotter that people used to put on mixtapes for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one fits into the same category as me. Yep. Bit too slow, and it kind of brings you down a bit after SSI. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely I feel similar. It's but I've got I've got to say the majority of the song I actually did very much enjoy. It's just like I say it, it, it fatigue sets in like in the last couple of minutes and it just feels like it probably could have uh, snipped itself off a little bit too, uh, you know, a little bit earlier on. And um that also becomes a bit of a recurring theme for me. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think well, I'm kind of Yeah, we'll we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Um as we get towards the last track of the album which is actually the longest track Maiden have ever recorded <laughs> yeah yes. but um, okay so the third track is Lost for Words um, which is an instrumental now there's one thing I love about this song, and it is the sheer balls of it. And what I really don't like about new rock albums is that throwaway opening track you get. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, where it's like two minutes of twiddly twee, and then it kind of ducks into the first song. Yep, yep. And every time you listen to the album, you just skip that first track because it's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. There's very, there's very few um, opening tracks that wouldn't be better just bolted on to the, the second song, which is essentially the first one. Yeah, yeah, no, I, get, I understand um, that. Did you ever listen to the, the Mars Volta? Um, I haven't, unfortunately. Okay, well, they, their first album's called Deloused in the Comatorium, and it's one of these ones with a notorious um, song. Like, it's sort of, they've got a wee twiddly intro. Yep. And the intro's really good, but because you never get a good gapless music player, it just ruins the introduction to the song. Right, right. So what I love about this is Iron Maiden, two tracks into their album, they go, eh, fancy wee... Uh, instrumental jam lads and they'll go ah fuck it yeah come on <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I love that and also love that um, like I love it because it's quite like it's a, you can tell they're having a really fun time in this album especially um, Nico McBrain the drummer is a really underrated drummer he like he really hammers the hell out of it but he's always having a, a really good time and um, I think he does count in the beginning of this if I remember correctly yes he does but, actually um, I, I wondered who that was actually I've got to say. yeah no that's, that's him going <laughs> <laughs> coming, coming from the abyss in the back um, but it's whenever you listen to a song like this it just reminds me that most band solos are Maiden's riffs <laughs> right so <okay. laughs> well, or like, like that those kind of yeah no that's a very fair point there is quite a lot of that on and that, this that, 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 that's pretty much the entire album in uh, 15 <laughs> seconds but, but you get those are the kind of things people would incorporate in solos whereas Maiden don't and, and um, you know, Adrian Smith's very famous so it's kind of wailing legato kind of style of solo he's yeah, very yeah. he's very like it's almost like it's almost it's really fluid you yeah, know yeah, yeah. it's kind of liquid quality to playing the guitar it's very different obviously compared to like contemporary bands from America like your Metallica and Slayer and Megadeth which is a much more choppy especially like you know Dave Mustaine does very kind of staccato solos yeah, yeah. Um, very technically intricate yep where Smith's always a bit more kind of so didn't like this one then um, so <laughs> yeah I didn't <laughs> um, so yeah the fact that it is it, it, a jam essentially uh, that really um, put me off it feels like it, it's unfocused it just feels like it, it's uh, it's there to fill a hole it feels like filler 
is what I want to say. It, um, it kind of is filler, but I do kind of enjoy it because after after two minutes to midnight, which is a bit of a slog, I like that they just blast one out. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like it, it's almost like they're um, doing a live show. And Bruce Dickinson's exhausted from the first two tracks. I've act- so he's, he, he's, he's nipped to the bathroom while they blitz through an instrumental. <laughs> I've actually written in my notes that it sounds like the loading screen from a video game. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I don't know whether that's... Um, I mean, you'd, you'd be a pretty good loading screen, don't get me wrong. But it does... <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, Iron Maiden did a video game. Is it, uh, is it by any chance a pinball game? No, it's not actually. Wow. It's, it's okay. some kind of like it's like some kind of light gun shooter thing for wow. the PC okay. called uh, it's called Ed Hunter. <laughs> and um I think PC Gamer said it was one of the, the worst games they'd ever played, partly because <laughs> none of them liked Iron Maiden. Well, um, yeah, you know. Um I, I, I so can't I say I was working at PC music. Gamer at the time, but you know, maybe but in another life. You would have um, give it nine percent whatever <laughs> they did as well. Okay, well, it, it's a shame you don't like this one. I think it's like I mean it's a, to me it's just a good a good a good rollicking fun time. But I can totally understand the people who are like, Oh, here we go, get this over with. Yeah, no, I mean it was it, for me it was just it was tiresome. It felt like a band jamming instead of actually making a song. Um and Yeah, the, that that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And yeah, the lack of vocal melody really sort of hurts it. Um, you, you don't really it, it became apparent very quickly that Bruce is quite integral to this band and um uh yeah, his his lack is just just his melodies are really what sets an awful lot of these songs off and not having them for a song is quite jarring for me personally so um yeah yeah just, no absolutely i mean D- dickinson like is a kind of he's, he really is like the kind of linchpin in the band yeah and the first two iron maiden albums have uh paul Diano on them yep and yep. he is like and they're like okay the songs are a bit they're a bit you know prototypical yeah yeah um like there's a couple of good things like i don't know prowler and phantom of the opera and yep, stuff yep. like that and Rathchild is another popular one that bruce dickinson sings much better than Diano. Yep, but yep. um Whenever Bruce left in the mid '90s, they got this guy called Blaze Bailey. I'm aware of Blaze um, Bailey, and they did. Are you a Wolfsbane fan? Because um, I've never listened. No, to I'm him. not. I've got a, a friend who's um, actually uh, still buys the Blaze Bailey solo records. So um, he's he's very much uh, still still buys them. Was like, does he release new ones? Yes, or does he, he just is. Go into like, secondhand <laughs> shops and buy old Blaze <laughs> Bailey records. And, no, no, no. He's okay. just he's followed his career since he left Maiden because he's such a big Maiden fan. He's just decided to stick wow. with everybody. And um, it's pretty hardcore. Uh, he's he's seen them on tour. He's apparently a very entertaining frontman and uh, just. Uh, I mean, like Blaze Bailey is. He's quite a good singer, but he's just not Bruce Dickinson. And very few people are. I think well, the only person that could replace Bruce Dickinson would probably be Rob Halford. Yeah, yeah. From well, this is the thing. I, he's about the only guy that could. I was thinking about, like, because I, I know obviously a little bit of the history because I'm aware of Blaze Bailey and that. But um, listening to this record in particular, it was like, how how do you follow a performance like this? Like, this is yeah, defining, don't. and then you've now got to be as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, you think yeah, you can't is the answer yeah so, well there you go so, since you don't want to talk about that song anymore <laughs> let's move on to Flash of the Blade <laughs> now um, this one I absolutely love the opening like too I think it's just oh, it's just pure pure 80s N-W-O-B-H-M goodness. Right, right. Really, really good lick. Um, and it's okay because it's, it's a shorter song. It's less it's less purposeful than some of the others. Like, it doesn't it doesn't have as much of a good kind of narrative compared to some of the other I mean, this is what I've actually... Tracks. I've, I've mentioned but, um, this. I've, I say that there's, uh, this, this song doesn't really have any defining moments. I love the I love the chorus, though. I do think they... Uh, the, was it One Man and His Honor or something is the, the line at the end of the chorus? is okay. just really, really powerful, really good vocal harmony. I've actually written uh, that I thought the chorus was pretty unmemorable. So. Oh, I know. Well, yeah. you'll, you'll die as you live by, <laughs> by, by the flash of the blade. <laughs> I don't um, know. <laughs> I, can't just, I can't just spend the entire time quoting Maiden Lewis. <laughs> but I, I, no, I, think, I think it's a really good track. Like, it, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be one that would make the... The mix CD to 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 woo the person of your dreams, uh, but but it's good. But it's a good song. It's a good song. It's uh, it's quite it, 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 it from what I understand. It's quite a regular set list, um, you know, inclusion. 
from what I... I think, like, I don't like. Ooh, I don't think I would... I, I would be quite surprised if I heard this one live, like, Flash of the Blades. Really? Okay. Yeah, no, Because I, I, was, I was aware of Flash of the Blades, so, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd heard it prior, so... I think it's probably because they did this World Slavery Tour, the, the World Slavery Retour, which might have been the one that you watched on Envivo. Right, okay. Um, because it opened with the Aces High, makes me think that. Yeah. And that is possibly why you've heard Flash of the Blade, because they kind of re-promoted um, Pyre okay, Slave again. No, that's fair, okay. Um, so um, yeah, but I, 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 it's, it's a fun track. I wouldn't skip it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't skip it. I would skip two minutes to midnight, but I wouldn't skip. Uh, I wouldn't skip Flash of the Blade. Okay. Any other yeah. comments? I mean, yeah, I was just. I, I just like I say, I, I didn't feel like um, there was there was any moments that really sort of like define this. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of really uh, particular riffs and things on the on some of the previous songs that you, you that are very um, yeah. synonymous with those songs. But whereas this this track. While there's nothing particularly wrong with it per se, it's just it just sort of went by and felt a bit uneventful. Um, I, think I think that's fair, and there's certainly like uh, the other one that does that for me is back in the village, which um, you probably felt the same as well. Um, yes, maybe. <laughs> um, but anyway, enough about that one. So the next track is the Duelists. So yeah, the galloping riff comes back, and uh-huh. I was very much into that. It's got to be said, um, lovely opening, very good, strong opening, and another fantastic chorus. It's got to be said. Um, this is actually one of the songs I really enjoy of the record. Um, it's a very, very strong track, and the only thing I had to say negative about this is that the bridge prior to the guitar solo feels like it's missing something. Um, it feels a bit empty. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's because the instrumentation gets a little bit lighter, the bass takes center stage again, um, but I definitely, at this point, it felt like, um, almost like a sort of jazzy <laughs> jam in the middle <laughs> of the section. Is that the, the doodle-doodle-doodle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bass bit, oh, <laughs> I love that, because it's like, I like that the guitars are playing, they're going like, you know, da 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 and then yeah. and Steve Harris is like, I could get a wee solo in here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, um, the, once the guitar solo sort of kicks it off once again after that after that bridge, um, I, I yeah, I was back into the song, and uh, yeah, it was. It, I, this is um, one of the best tracks on the album, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I was really into this, and yeah, I love again that 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 galloping riff is just such a fun thing. It's, it's something so that's very defining this, of the band. Is this the one where I said I I can't wait to hear what you think of this one? Yes, you did, and um, this is where I'm going to say I think this is your favorite song of the album. This is my favorite song of the album. Oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, I like if anybody. I think if anybody said to me, "What do Iron Maiden sound like? What's a really what, what's like what's a kind of the the ultimate Iron Maiden song from the 1980s?" I would sit them down with this. Okay, it's yeah, got, that's I, I'd say that's the, completely fair. The, so, yeah. the galloping rip opener. It's got the usual kind of wailing. Uh, oh, it's all about you know. Well, obviously, it's about these two guys you know, fighting to the death as, yeah, as yeah. duelists, getting their getting their pistols out at dawn or whatever. It's got this kind of classic vocal harmony chorus. But then, but then, the best bit of it is whenever Bruce Dickinson goes away and goes <laughs> down into this the absolutely incredible middle section. Yep, and then you find out, and this is my. This is my games journalist wise-ass remark. That the two duelists are not the people Bruce Dickinson singing about. The two duelists are Adrian Smith and Dave Murray. They decide hey. to have a rock-off with each other <laughs> in the middle of the song. And that's like that's what I really, really love about those Maiden songs is that two-part guitar harmony. It's just, just something about it really resonates with me. I find it really, like beautiful i don't know i just you know it's one of these things where like which in your head you go, that feels right yeah, yeah that feels really really good and i think like if you don't like that kind of a sound then you probably won't like iron maiden because that is the the maiden sound yeah you don't get that with a lot of other bands i have absolutely no beef with iron maiden i think nobody no beef well yeah that, <laughs> i have no quarrel with you <laughs> <laughs> um in fact that's the thing i would like to hear more of because it's it's a lot lower in the mix, and mm-hmm. it feels like an awful lot of the time Steve Harris is drowning it out. And this song in particular, um, like you say, lovely dual melodies, and they're sitting Here in the, the back bass. of the room, and I want to hear it's them. Me, it's, <laughs> me, it's me, I've got a bass, I've got a bass. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bloody Did you Steve Harris. You can fuck um, off, mate. <laughs> but my absolute, my absolute favourite part of this track is um, whenever they get to the end of the solos. Yep. And then it kind of patters down a bit and then it just goes... Duff, duff, duff. <laughs> there you go. And it yeah, just yeah, rips yeah. in. That's that. That's the that's the the epicenter of the album. It's just ah, yeah, oh, yeah. that's so good. And and then and then um, Bruce Dickinson comes in again. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about you. I <laughs> <laughs> forgot forgot you were even here. And I think that that to me is kind of you know, a testament to the power of how good that track is. Like yeah, you, yeah. you don't even miss. You don't even miss Bruce. As opposed to track three, where you do, yeah, yeah, you miss him. You miss him. He's notable by his absence, and this one he isn't. Yep, and it really gives the rest of the band uh, a chance to shine. And yeah, yeah, like you know, McBrain goes in, which also is a brilliant name for a drummer, Nico McBrain. <laughs> he just he just sounds, and also he looks like a guy that's just gonna hammer the fuck out of the drums. Oh yeah, yeah. No, oh, he looks like he's been hammered in the face quite a bit. Um, he's got a lovely big forehead. <laughs> so have so, we got uh, have we got to your favorite track in the album yet? Um, we passed it, or is it at is the it, very, very what? beginning. Oh, is this is High your favourite? Yeah, uh, it is. Okay, okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. No, right, I really, so, really uh, like Aces High, and uh, in fact, the first time I ever heard Aces High was Children of Budum. Uh, they oh, do wow. a very, very good cover of it. And uh, yeah, so that was my introduction, I suppose, to um, wow. this record, really. Well, there you go, mm-hmm. there you go. So, moving on from the Duelists. Um, we've got Back in the Village, um, which is probably my least favourite track in the album, I think. Yeah, um, I've, I, I've actually just, got the least uh, amount of notes for this, and uh, one of the leading ones is The Chorus is Annoying. <laughs> in the in the well, so Bruce, uh, tell me what's happening. I'm back in the village. Uh, okay, like, could you could you go into a bit more detail? I'm back in the village again. <laughs> that, yeah. that's, 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 but it's like I was because I was you know I was out, out on my run this evening and I thought oh I'm going to have to think of a way to describe you know the narrative of this song and then I listened to it and I was like what is the narrative why, why is he why is he in what village yeah, what's yeah. he talking about I just I don't know yeah I've got a let me see is there a oh let's see um, I'm going to back in the village oh, it's, oh, oh okay all right Go on. So okay, so so most of these um, are um, there's quite a lot of background to this. This is kind of cheating. So the Duelists is based on a Ridley Scott film of the same name. It's okay. About, about fencing. Wow. Back in the village is like uh, is based on the British TV series The Prisoner. Ah, okay. Um, and and if you uh, listen to Number of the Beast. There's a song in it called The Prisoner, and it is explicitly based off The Prisoner. Like, I am not a number. I am a free man. You know, everybody remembers this. Right. You know, it's, okay. it's kind of, yep, yep, yep. It's, the Prisoner's so, like this weird dystopian Twin Peaks from the 60s kind of thing. Um, so that's what Back in the Village is about. So we're, we're repeating ideas at this no. point. Is that what's happening? <laughs> well, I don't know what's happening. I think it's best if we don't. I think it's best we don't know what's happening. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just that melody in the chorus. It's just the... It's just like... It's so yeah. lazy. It just sounds, sounds like he cares. Okay, okay. It's just... Bleh. It's bleh. like... Do you, do you know what I, it reminded me of quite specifically is um, the, the the lyrics to Feel Good Inc. by Gorillaz. That city's breaking down on the camel's back. It's like that. On the back <laughs> in the village again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's that. Uh, it just not, sounds uninterested, and uh, if if I'm if you're not interested, then why should I be? <laughs> um, so yeah, this I I don't know. It, it the, the the chorus really bugged me in particular, and um, it just didn't feel like there was anything particularly special about this song at all. It, it um, I mean, I I said earlier that Lost for Words felt like filler. Uh, this is filler with vocals. <laughs> yeah, the, um, no, this, this this to me is the like if there was any track in the album, I would say was filler. Absolutely, yes, absolutely, yeah. Back in the village. So now we move on to a track that is probably not filler because it's also the title track. Yep. Uh, which is Power Slave, as I pronounce it, or as Bruce Dickinson pronounces it, Power Slave. Because <laughs> I uh, am Northern Irish and only I would pick an album whose title I can't pronounce for the first episode of it. Power Slave. So, um. So here we are. Um, now the cover of the album is, um, you know, it's got Eddie in front of the pyramids. Yep. Eddie being the army. Oh no, he's the yeah, he's the Sphinx in front of the Great Pyramids. Yep. Yep. Um, and in the back, there's a some really lovely. I really like the the Derek Riggs artwork in the Maiden albums, but um, and this song is kind of 
Well, there's two meanings to it. The first meaning is the obvious one, where this it's a pharaoh kind of singing about how you know he's a a slave to the power of death, and that you know he he has all this power and he's you know a kind of living god, but he's eventually going to lose it all, mm-hmm. um, and he's you know he can never be a god. Yep, yep. But actually, I think like part of me wonders if this is kind of a meditation um, on Iron Maiden as a band. I I can because, see where you're going with this, and I think yeah, this is probably what well, I would think as well. Yeah, because like they, so this was their third album. They were really successful, yep. and then the album after this uh, is somewhere in time, which is a notable dip. And that's why I said that these are kind of the holy trinity of albums. Mm. And you know, I, you could probably, if you're really obsessive, I could draw a wee triangle looking like a pyramid and put number of the beast in one point and peace of mind in the other, and parsley and go, I, I, see, I. And you would go, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go leave you to this for a while. <laughs> um, so. Um, I, yeah, I think I think that's why there's a kind of a kind of poignancy to it that when Bruce is singing it, he's not just singing about you know Ramses the whatever. He's yeah, actually yeah. kind of thinking about you know we're a really popular band now, and this is an album we're having a really good time. But when's that going to end? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that yeah, and like you wouldn't expect that from Maiden. You expect them to sing songs about you know people flying Spitfires and blowing each other up, and I don't know <laughs> people finding themselves in a village. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. You, you don't necessarily expect something with that kind of depth. Now, in their later albums, absolutely, like, the, the, like their music gets a lot more progressive, but their albums get a lot more personal, and there's a lot more feeling and meaning in that, like, explicitly, and yeah, I think yeah. this is this is perhaps the first hints of that, and also it is a little bit proggy. It's got the kind of bit where kind of, there's a kind of a breakdown about two-thirds of the way through. Yeah, yeah, so the bridge yeah. sort of... Um... Yeah, so what do you think of this song? Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, uh, again, um, there's a really strong riff in this. Um and well, you'd hope so. What with it being the title track and everything, um, and again, it's got, uh, got pyre in the name for God's sake. I need to <laughs> yeah. have a bit of him. Um, yeah, no. Um, again, the galloping riff comes back, um, which is going to be absolutely defining for me because I really enjoy it. Um, great chorus. I'm glad, I'm glad you do. If you didn't like the galloping riff, this would have been a much more awkward yeah, conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> another fantastic chorus, and the only oh, again, really good chorus, really good chorus. The only thing. I'd say is it suffers from the same thing that I thought about the duelists in that I think the bridge sort of meanders about and doesn't really go anywhere. Mm. It's um, a little bit overly long. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, a solid song and another highlight of the album, definitely. Total maiden belter. Like, oh yeah, very much so. Um, and at the very end, because I think the last line is just that slave to the power of death and he's going to go, eh! <laughs> like, almost like wilts <laughs> the sheer force of his own vocals. Um so now we get to the last track. Now, um, <laughs> yeah, as I said earlier in the show, um, Iron Maiden have quite a lot of literary influences. Yep. Um, so songs like The Tripper is uh, based on Tennyson's poem, uh, Charge of the Light Brigade. Um, and they do do a lot of, like, throughout their career, there's lots of ones based in uh, various literary concepts. Yep. Now, this one is The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Now, um I wonder what uh, that's on, based on. <laughs> yeah, it's based on. Well, let me tell you, it's based on a poem called "The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," which yes. I think was Coleridge. I it was. was. I read Coleridge. it in it school, so I'm very familiar ah, with well, it. Well, well, I um I was in um, a bookshop on Saturday, and I knew we were doing this podcast. Okay, I was like, oh, went to the poetry section. So, oh, "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner." I can't have a picture of this. It was so long, I could not get through it. Which is probably <laughs> I'm going to speculate how you felt listening to the song "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner." Yeah, now so is, as this we is mentioned, the longest track we've ever recorded. Yeah, um, yep. so it's a thirteen, nearly fourteen minutes long. Yeah, and uh, as we mentioned earlier, two minutes to midnight probably feels about two minutes too long. "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner" feels about ten minutes too long. Um, so uh, it's I I really like its opening. It's a very strong uh, start. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, a really good riff. The riff actually reminds me a lot of Holy Diver. Ah, um, uh, yeah. Very, very yeah. similar in its, in its nature. Um, so, I re- again, uh, one of my favourite songs, so I, I really enjoyed that about, about it. But then it tails off, and it has this moment where it breaks down, and there's a little monologue... Um, which is obviously based on the poem. And while it's nice, it's obviously trying to build some atmospherics. Uh, I have nothing against long songs in general, as long as they make it worth your time. Um, if, mm-hmm. if a song is overly long, for the sake of being long, because an awful lot that happens quite a lot, then um, that kind of gets on my nerves a bit. And uh, this definitely has that. It gets a bit, 
uh, yeah, like I say, the fatigue sets in um, during that uh, breakdown and a lot of that monologue. Um, but it does um, it does come back quite strong. There's another fantastic riff in the last section about the last third of the song. Um, it's mm-hmm. very very strong. Um, I really like. Um, yeah, I, like I say, I really like those melodies. Um, but yeah, it's just it. There is no it took reason. You so for, long to get there. Yeah, it's there's no reason for it to take that long to get there. And um, this, could, if you truncated this song to I don't know five minutes, um, it would be possibly the best song on the album um, because the two parts together again it was very progressive as well. So um, I like the fact that it doesn't return to um, a chorus melody. Um, it it's you know there are there are two very distinct defining parts and they yeah. do not return to any previous melodies and it yeah it's a it's, it's a really really well written um couple of sections uh, it's just a shame that uh that chunk that great big slab in the middle of the song is uh, so sort of um boring and just un, uh, you know very meandering and just doesn't know what he wants so, to do <laughs> So I guess two things. First of all, if you don't like long songs that I'd stay there, welcome. You're really not going to enjoy the Dream Theater episode of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> because their because their albums are just one big long song. Um, but the um, yeah, the second thing is I don't know because I it is one of those tracks that I would never make it all the way through when I listen to it. Now, yeah, often a the streets of Oxford, I didn't have much choice but to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. and it does kind of sag in the middle. But what I like. It's not it's not as bad as I remember. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a backhanded compliment, but the bit whenever it so you've kinda of got the the opening bit with a riff the it's like kinda of like a sea shanty kind of a, yeah, a song. Yeah, yeah. That's um a and, great riff. And then and then but then it breaks into this much faster riff in the end of the like the first section. And I really like that bit and I really like the the, the the pace of it gathering because the whole yeah, yeah. so the, the idea of the rhyme of the ancient manor is basically like I don't know he kills an albatross and then it becomes the metaphorical albatross around his neck and he gets some kind of curse and he sees ghost ships and, and shit is that yep, basically yep. it yeah yep that's and correct then, but, yep. but then uh, they probably pray and then God saves him in the end hey it's the ancient <laughs> mariner he's back um, well he wasn't ancient at the time you know he's probably you know the middle age, rhyme of the middle aged mariner isn't quite as catchy as you yeah. Um, so the the song obviously doesn't just follow the um, the the story of the poem; it also follows the kind of form and meter of it, yeah, and that's yeah. where you get this kind of long ethereal ghost section in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a bit where Bruce does the incredibly high pitched, I guess the word rain or something, and it's like <laughs> I can't do it. Just yeah, yeah. just just imagine that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We would we would hire a bitch. Imagine I just been punched in the nuts and then did that bit. It's fine. I'll pitch shift um, you after this, and then you'll. Okay. Like oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I'm not looking forward to hearing the playback of that. But um, and then it, but then it breaks into like a really really great solo and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And but then what I don't what I don't like about it is it then goes back to the original. And I didn't like that it went back to the form of the start again. Yeah, yeah. I kind of would have liked if they had just left that behind and finished it off there. Yeah, yeah. So because too long like I say, I, I did, the middle, I did like that progression. So um, that's a. Uh, well, I, like I like the riff. I just felt like would would kind of hurt it. Already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. no uh, like you uh, said, yeah. that's a very fair point. And I do again. It's that 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 progression that really brings that really sold this song for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I say, the returning of the of that that, that galloping riff again is uh, just a just a bit of a shame, really, because it's it felt like they were better than that at this point in the song. So yeah, but. Um, but apart from that, like it's it's kind of an it's an iconic track, and it sets it. it they never really did tracks as long as this again. But, no, no. Um, uh, they do do ones like uh, "Hello Be Thy Name" is a long song. Yep. Um, "Fear of the Dark" is a long song. Yep. Um, and then "Brave New World" is a whole heap of long songs, <laughs> um, including a, a ten minuter. Yep. Which has the which goes from the galloping horses across the desert to like this galloping camel across the desert, <laughs> and uh, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. Okay. Um, so, but this kind of yeah marks the point where they do get a little bit proggy, and you like especially in the album Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Yep. it has some big proggy elements to it, and this is kind of the genesis of that. So it's an interesting historical track, and it's quite fun. But um, if you had the album on loop, it would definitely be a it, you, you would get halfway through it, and then it would get to the slow bit, and then you would skip it. Yeah, yeah, you would uh, you would you quickly lose interest, I think, by this point. But um, again, so I, it's not it's not 
it's not the worst closer to an album by any by any stretch of the imagination, no. but it does sound certainly, certainly not the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not well. Uh, that's it. Whenever whenever Iron Maiden kind of set the bar for album closers with "Hallowed Be Thy Name," which I yeah, still yeah. think is probably probably one of the best, one of the best, if not the best, heavy metal songs ever ever written. Yeah, yeah. it's just like it, absolutely incredible. Mm. Go listen to that. But just yeah, and I, if you've never listened to this album before, instead of listening to "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," <laughs> listen to that instead because it's a it's a stone cold classic. Mm. Um, but yeah, and that's Parslave, the end. <laughs> so, uh, so what's your kind of overall impressions? So, okay, so you came, you went into this not being a massive Maiden fan. Has this converted you, or do you feel vindicated? Um, it hasn't converted me, but I have learned to. I mean, I, I have an appreciation for it, and I definitely feel like this is. There are some absolutely great songs on here. The composition is fantastic. Um, there, are, they're clearly uh, some. They're, they're clearly very well written. Uh, songwriting is very um, just you know fantastic in uh, amongst Iron Maiden's plethora of musicians and uh, yeah it's it's not a bad album by any by any stretch of the imagination um, in its in you know in the way it's it's made but um, the mix and the production really lets me down and um, just because because it's so light in a weird way um, it, it feels like it doesn't have the power that should be behind it and yeah. that was again like i say when i watched the live footage i realized exactly that that basically confirmed that that opinion um it was the that uh, iron maiden live i can see why you'd want to go and see iron maiden live because that the, it's just electric there's so much more power and i also we haven't mentioned it yet but despite the this is i think power slave is the first album with the current lineup of musicians Bar one guitarist, so yeah, uh, I made have Gares. yeah, uh, I made have three guitarists yeah. when they perform live, and that probably helps them quite a bit because um, Yannick can obviously um, carry a lot of the bass as well because he's yeah. Well, what happened was Bruce Dickinson left and Dave Murray left as well. Yep, I think it was Dave Murray left, and then so they hired Yannick Gares, and then whenever Bruce and Dave returned for Brave New World, they kept Yannick, yep. and that's why they have three now. And um, I, I very handy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's strange because obviously that's just a product of, well, it's almost accidental in a weird way, but um, it works so 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 well, and it, it really sets off um, Aces High, and uh, yeah, I, it's just I, I again I was just really su- uh, surprised at how how much more powerful that band sounded in a live environment, and I think uh, I, and I'd like to I'd put, I'd put I put money on it that Yannick um, definitely adds something to this album um in especially in a live environment so yeah um like i say it's it, it's definitely a decent record um i feel it's overly long sometimes um it definitely feels like the ideas uh run short um and then the songs continue <laughs> um, for a little bit too much um and the other thing i haven't mentioned as well is uh, we were talking a little bit about nico and his drumming um but there's an awful lot um, of passages where Nico is just ride snare, ride snare, ride mm. snare, ride snare, and it's just exhausting. <laughs> it's so uneventful and dull, and it's like the main drum pattern on the album. And that, yeah, I've I, I've seen his kit and I've seen him play live, and he's using like a third of it. <laughs> <laughs> there is no need for that man to have that much kit <laughs> for what he is doing and um yeah this really sort of drove that home i was a little bit like okay yeah perhaps mix it up a little bit nico because um yeah it does get a little bit tiresome at some places but um i'd say ace is high um i i, I actually really quite like two minutes to midnight um the Duelist is a fantastic song. Power Slave is yes, great. And, yes, um, quite <laughs> a partial a partial victory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and quite a bit of Ryan the Ancient Manager uh, Mariner. I did like um, just yeah, probably knock a good I don't know eight eight, eight or ten minutes off the song. I I, I, I thought you said rhyme of the Championship Manager. <laughs> rhyme of the Championship the, Manager. That is right. the that is the worst idea for a song. I have well, ever. it's I'm it's one I'm going to make. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Coming to a punk um, EP near you. Okay, um, so, um, so, yeah. so what we should do is we should um, give you a bit of further listening. So um, I guess I'll go first. So if you like this, or maybe if you didn't like this, um, 
there's a couple of other very good Iron Maiden albums. I think the the two I've mentioned already, uh, Number of the Beast yep. and Peace of Mind, are, are good introductions if you like this. If you don't like this, um, I would probably recommend Brave New World, which is their comeback album from 2000, um, which is a very, very different tone. And actually, whenever I was trying to pick one, um, it was kind of a toss-up between Power Slave and Brave New World. Um, This is um, Bruce's comeback. You'll notice he's got a much lower vocal register. The songs are a lot more personal. And it's considerably longer than Power Slave. Um, Looking at the, the track times here, you've got... Uh, seven minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, nine, nine, yeah, six, yeah. eight and a half. Like it's, but I don't think it's an endurance test, and it has, it, it's a bit more proggy. So you do that, get the kind of progression through the songs. So yeah, no. if you think you like Iron Maiden, but you don't necessarily like the decade that they spawned from, um, maybe try Brave New World. If you want something ludicrously proggy, and um, their latest album, Final Frontier, is um, yeah, it, it's um, good. It's not the best. It's good, but again, it's got that kind of long, more prog rocky type stuff to it, where they're telling much longer stories rather than just pointing out that they have returned to a village. Okay, so there's a bit <laughs> more to it there. Um, what, do you have any other like? If you like this, you might like something else or um, something yeah, new. I've like got, a bit like Maiden, but preferable. I've got two recommendations actually. So um, I'm going to go for a very obvious one, and um, I, I definitely feel that there's an awful lot of thrash in this, and I'm going to recommend a thrash album. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of fun records. I like a bit of daft. I like a bit of silly. I like to. I like to hear a band enjoying themselves, which is what happens quite a lot on Power Slave. So I am going to recommend uh, Kill 'Em All by Metallica because it's <laughs> um, th- definitely the band having the most fun by any means. Uh, there's an awful lot of great riffs, some fantastic songs, um, and it's it's definitely a, a child of Maiden. It definitely has it's a that. similar similar era. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Right when was Kill 'Em All? Or is it, was it, it was probably before Parsley? It wasn't before Maiden, but... Um, ooh, Let's find out. To, Kill yeah, yeah. Um, all. Okay. 83. 83. So actually, yeah, came out same... Uh, yeah, so Parsley was 84. So very, very similar time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, you, you, can't, you, you can't deny that Metallica are obviously very heavily influenced by Maiden. Um, and whether or not they uh, agree to it, uh, as they have often taking the piss quite a bit <laughs> um in fact uh, if if i remember correctly uh there's a song off garage inc um one of the covers and during the the final basically the song ends and then um <laughs> kirk starts playing um the riff from run to the hills but out of key <laughs> <laughs> and um if i remember correctly maiden even um responded to that in one of their b-sides so uh, they also take a Metallica riff and uh, play that out at key. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of fun between the two bands. And I def- I, there's definitely a, a similar a, a thread of, uh, you know, metal history running through those records. Um, and the other record I like to recommend is a more of a modern one. Um, and this is, again, because it's fun and it totally uh, has Maiden running through it. Um, I'm really, really into a band called Hospital of Death. Now, um, <laughs> Hospital of Death did not last particularly long. They did two records, um, but they made um, some fantastically stupid thrash songs. Incredibly catchy, but um, the concepts for them are all absolutely daft or based on existing things and just played to absolute stupid levels. Their first album is called Beer, Bitches and Blood. (laughs) And it's so much fun, and there's a huge Iron Maiden influence running through it. Uh, the first track, Down That Hatch, is based on The Trapdoor. Um, <laughs> they've got a song called Ooh, That's It, which is based on Dawn of the Dead. Um, it's just stupid. And the closing song is a track called White the Lightning. And <laughs> Oh, my. That's, that's beautiful. So, and it's uh, completely free to download. You can still get it um, oh, via okay. media file links and things online. Uh, they, the band shared it via torrents and things. Uh, com- completely free of charge, and it's uh, legal to download. So... I would awesome. highly recommend well, it, and it's a I'm huge get, amount of fun. So yeah, those I'm going to get fired and in, fired into those. I've written down yeah, beer, <laughs> beer, bitches, and blood. Well, it's a, un- a bit unfortunate, but uh, uh, yeah, well, I guess, you know, uh, let's... well, I guess if you're in the hospital of death, you may as well crack open a beer. <laughs> uh, then their name as well is actually influenced by stormtroopers of death, so uh, that's what they're riffing on there as well. So um, yeah, um, okay. But... So there's one thing left, which is what's next. What have you got in store for the next episode? Because it's your pick. Yep, so it's my pick. Alistair, Alan decided to 
start things off. Um, I am going to go with The Trees Are Dead and Dried Out, Wait for Something Wild by Sixth. Wow. I haven't heard that one. That's going to be fun. Uh, We could fun then. Um, So this, uh, well, we've been talking about prog. Well, uh, Sixth are pretty pretty, uh, high up the spectrum of mental prog bands. Um, So this is a, well, I suppose it's pretty proto-tech metal. Um, A very influential record. Uh, The band reformed last year. And um, yeah, their debut album is an absolute, um, what just one of the most defining albums of my listening? Um, because is this is this their debut album that we're it is we're listening it to? is yes, and um, uh, I mean I was listening to them prior. They had released a couple of EPs, but they basically taught me how to uh, like weird music. Um, because up until this point, I was <laughs> listening to things like uh, you know, well, new metal, so uh, Limbiscuit and Corn um, and stuff like that. Um, so if which... you have not enjoyed this podcast, don't <laughs> complain to us. Please send your complaints to the band Sixth. <laughs> Um, but yes, I think that will be a, a fun introduction into tech metal, uh, which is obviously uh, uh, a pretty popular modern subgenre of metal now. We're gonna pe- people are gonna die after listening to these first albums. Like, and I'd be like, "Oh, Iron Maiden, this was awful." I'll give them another chance. I'm like, wait, so here's some nice technical metal for you. Um, it's all right. It's all right. My my choice afterwards is gonna be the Venga Boys or something. So we'll uh, love we'll um, but yeah, you can find us um, on Twitter at Cast Iron Show. You can find us at castironshow.co.uk. That's right, isn't it? That is correct. <laughs> That's good. We, you know, we, we haven't been going that long. <laughs> um, and you can also like us on Facebook. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please recommend it to your friends. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review because we'll read them all. Uh, even if you leave a negative comment, we'll still <laughs> like that you cared enough to, to comment. So please do.